Well, hey, Redemption family, if you're watching this video, that means Snowmageddon almost took Perrysburg out. And so we recorded this sermon earlier this week so that you could view it as a family. We're in this Keep It Simple series, and every one of these practices is important. So I hope you enjoy the video, apply it, and we'll see you next Sunday. Well, good morning. Welcome to Redemption. My name is Stephen. I'm really glad you decided to join us. Uh, you're joining us in the middle of a series called Keep It Simple. What we've been doing in this series is incorporating simple practices into our lives so that we'll be near to Jesus and together as a church family. And that's right. At the end of this series, our hope is that these practices added into your life make you love Jesus more and bring us more together as a church family. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to Romans chapter 8. That's going to be our primary text for the morning. The series is based on a verse in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. It says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That line there, keep in step, uh, it's a phrase that I think is best translated for us like this. The Holy Spirit is the line leader. So if you can remember elementary school, when you would follow the line leader, well, this is our aim, to follow our line leader the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, it does uh, make us honoring and obedient to Jesus, and it keeps us together as a church family. Last week, we talked about the first of these practices, reading, studying, and memorizing scripture, making it a daily part of our lives. I hope over the last week, you've taken some time to get into God's word and to let him speak to you through it. The Bible is living, it's active, it's as relevant today as it's ever been. Today I want to talk about the second of these practices, and that is prayer. Now one of the things about a series called Keep It Simple and Prayer is that it's a bit oxymoronic. And prayer is complicated, it is slightly mysterious. Even the disciples didn't know how to pray, and so they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus simplified it as best as he could, but still through the years, the centuries, people have had questions about prayer. Now today, I can't give a full theology on prayer. We're going to do the best we can to take this subject and to simplify it in a Sunday morning. My hope, though, is at the end of this talk, the meaning of prayer will be more clear, and you and I will have some simple steps that we can take to enhance or increase our prayer life. Prayer is a powerful tool that we have to communicate with our Heavenly Father. We're going to look at two texts today. The primary text is in Romans chapter 8. The uh, secondary or supporting text is in Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 18, I want to start with the Ephesians passage. It says this, For through him, the him there being Christ, we both have access to the Father. Both there means both the Jews and the Gentiles. What this passage is teaching us is that it is through Christ and Christ alone that we have access to God the Father. This is how prayer happens, us as humans being granted access to the God of the universe. How do we have access? Well, this is the gospel. I've been using this quote from Tim Keller to describe the gospel throughout this series. The gospel is this, that you and I are more uh, sinful and deeply flawed than we could dare believe and more loved and accepted in Christ 
then we could dare hope. This is the gospel, right? Uh, This passage reminds us that it is only by Christ. It was Christ himself who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Other passages of scripture teach us that uh, only holiness can dwell in God's presence. And so it is through the gospel, through Jesus taking on our sin, so that we might take on his righteousness, this happened on the cross, that now you and I have access to God. What kind of access? Well, not access as slaves or uh, as just worker bees. No, we have access, the scripture teaches us, as children of God, sons and daughters of the sovereign king. How important is access? It's everything. So my business and partner and I have been attempting to start a business. I've shared this or parts of these stories over the last few months, I guess. And part of our business is trying to sign a lease on a large commercial real estate property. We were so close to doing that, uh, but then a, a national merchant who had an ability to restrict our usage uh, wouldn't release a waiver. And so I sent an email to the decision maker. Now, here am I, you know, some meaningless guy in Perrysburg, Ohio, sending an email to this decision maker at, you know, corporate America. I didn't get a response. There was no meaningful access to this guy. And so he just dismissed my email and they didn't sign the waiver. Uh, Moving forward, we had to look for a new building. And so we found another potential building. And this building was attached to another national merchant that we knew in the past had um, exercised or refused to exercise a similar waiver. And so my business partner and I said, we don't even want to go after this building because we know how this is going to end. They're going to say no. When we did that, we told that to our realtor and he reached out to the landlord's realtor. And this is what he said. My brother is the decision maker for that national merchant. My father had that job for 40 years before my brother. It won't be a problem. Well, that changed everything. Now we're pursuing that opportunity because we have access to the decision maker. This man, through his brother, who's holding a position that his father once held, now can get access to the decision maker in a phone call, a phone call that's always going to be answered. It's a great example of what now you and I have because of Christ. We, through prayer, through the gospel, have access to the decision maker of all things. It means this, that for the Christ follower, prayers don't go unanswered anymore because of a lack of access. Prayers now only go unanswered because they're not best the person praying because they're not in alignment with God's will and God's will is best for us. You and I have access to the decision maker, to God the Father through Jesus. So now how do we pray? Access is huge. It's very important. Now how do we actually go about praying? Why do we pray? I mean, we pray because we're in need, uh, because we need faith or finances, healing or help. 
We pray because we want to experience God's presence, because we want to sense uh, that he's near. We pray because we long for intimacy with our Heavenly Father, or we pray because we need to get an A on a test, or a new job, or lots of other reasons. How do we do it? Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27, um, gives us a, a brief look into how we pray. Again, this is not comprehensive. We can't accomplish all of that in one day. But it starts like this. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that we talked about in Galatians chapter 5, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps. Now, this phrase helps here is uh, from a triple compound Greek word. The prefix of the word is a word that we're familiar with, sign. What it means is this, that team, that word help, it means that it's a team effort, that the Holy Spirit actually comes alongside and like co-labors with us. I was moving some heavy equipment the other day. Let me rephrase that. I was attempting to move some heavy equipment the other day. I moved up or got up next to it. I attempted to move it and it didn't budge. Two of my buddies were next to me, and they came over. These guys work out. They're buff. They actually look like they work out. And they started to move it, and it actually moved. They were able to do what I was unable to do. It was a team effort. I watched, uh, but they actually accomplished something. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in your prayers. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit, God, wants to help you in your prayers. He co-labors, or it's a team effort, you and the Holy Spirit, lifting up prayers to the Heavenly Father, who you now have access to because of Jesus, the gospel. See, the Father, the Spirit, the Son are all included in our prayer life. We're communing or relating to each of them when we pray. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in your prayer. Now, it says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. In our weaknesses. Well, what are our weaknesses when it comes to prayer? Lots. Maybe you, like me, start praying and you're 38 seconds into your prayer and then you're thinking about something completely different. What you have to do that day, what you did yesterday, that's a weakness. Another weakness is our sinful nature that wants to pray selfishly instead of selflessly. Another weakness in prayer, he goes right into, he says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. Why don't we know how to pray as we ought? Well, again, because our sinful nature uh, sometimes overtakes our prayer life. Uh, we don't know how to pray as we ought because you and I have a vantage point uh, that is inconclusive. We have a vantage point that isn't quite big enough to really pray what we ought to pray for. The other day I was eating some hot soup and my daughter Reagan loves to eat just about anything. And she kept reaching for my very hot soup with her hand. She thought that was a good decision. It's a very bad decision. In her mind, asking for the hot soup made sense. I, as her father knew, it wasn't a good request. It was her weakness, her inferior knowledge. Our weaknesses in prayer, 
Or that oftentimes we pray out of our own power. Uh, We pray our own plan from our own perspective. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray God's plan. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray from God's power. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray with God's perspective. He helps us in our weaknesses. Goes on to say this, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, the Spirit himself, what that means is the Spirit doesn't use intermediaries. The Spirit doesn't send the saints of old. The Spirit doesn't need a pastor or a priest. The Spirit himself, the Spirit himself, not angels, no, the Spirit, God himself, it says intercedes. This word intercedes, it's a long Greek word. I'm not even going to try and say it. But what this means is he rescues us in the midst of our prayers. He shows up when we don't know what to say or pray for. And he brings power to the prayer. There's this great scene in The Lion King. Uh, Simba and Nala have entered into the land that they're not supposed to go to, and the hyenas surround them, and Simba's kind of backed himself up into a corner, and he's trying to protect Nala, and the hyenas are there, and Simba roars, and the hyenas laugh. Then Simba roars again, but this time when he roars, Mufasa has shown up and roars at exactly the same time, and the hyenas are terrified. When you and I pray in our own power, it's like Simba's roar. When you and I pray in the Holy Spirit's power, when he steps in and intercedes for us, it's like Mufasa's roar. It scares the enemy much more. It has much more power. The Holy Spirit shows up and he prays. He intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray for. Now, it goes into this next part that talks about how he does this with groanings too deep for words, which is a somewhat perplexing statement in Scripture and has prompted lots of questions and debate. Now, this particular passage in Romans 8 is talking about uh, how we pray when we don't know what to pray. But a caveat to that is there are certain things in the scriptures that are clear that we can always pray. So I want to spend a second talking about those. Maybe you're trying to develop a prayer life. Hopefully you are. Where are some places that we can always start Well, Scripture says that we can always thank God for the blessings that he's poured out on us. So if you want to get started praying, start with just thanking him. You can always thank God. Another thing we can do is we can always acknowledge who we're praying to as part of our prayer. We see this in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who are in heaven, two things, intimacy and power. God is Father. God is in heaven. You can always start a prayer by just reminding yourself that you are praying to the God of the universe. Another thing that is always okay for us to pray is a promise of God. If it's a written promise of God in the scripture, and this is where last week's discussion and this week's sermon come together. I've heard it described like this, that when we pray scripture, it's like two sticks of dynamite coming together. 
in a good way. Power hitting power. Prayer and scripture coming together in a good spiritual explosion. We can always pray the promises of God. We can always pray, God, you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. God, you said you would forgive sin when I'm repentant. God, you said that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You can always pray these things. Another thing you and I can always pray is scripture. We can always take written scripture and just pray it back to God. This is a place where simply you can start in prayer. Just walk through those. Thank him. Acknowledge him. Pray the promises of God. Pray scripture. Now, back to the passage. What happens when we don't know what to pray for? Well, it says that the Holy Spirit shows up. He intercedes. He rescues us in our prayer with groanings too deep for words. This isn't speaking in tongues, as some people have said. It actually says without words. Speaking in tongues means with words. So it's not that. What this is, is saying there are certain times when you and I don't know what to pray for as we ought because of our weaknesses, that the best thing we can do is just stop. Just not say anything. And let the Holy Spirit, in essence, pray on our behalf. Now, when we stop, when we're silent in prayer, two things can happen then. One, the Holy Spirit will say what we can't. And secondly, it also creates opportunity for prayer now to be what it's supposed to be, a conversation. Where now it's not just us speaking, but we can listen. And we can allow God actually to speak back to us. Some people say, well, that's not possible. Well, in the book of Acts, it says that Peter was in prayer and God told him, go do this, go do that. And if we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then what God told Peter in prayer, God can still speak in prayer to us. But letting God speak to us in prayer requires us to stop talking, to stop, to pause, and to let him speak. I don't use this as an excuse to fall asleep in prayer, as many of us have done, but it's um, almost like intentional silence where we're not allowing our minds to wander, but we're listening, we're meditating on God's goodness, and he speaks to us. He might speak to us by reminding us of a passage of scripture or pointing us in a direction of someone to talk to. Now, if we do feel like God spoke to us in prayer, an important thing to do is to always test that with Scripture and to make sure that it doesn't compete with Scripture. It's also a good idea um, to test it a bit. Not that we're testing God, but we're testing to make sure we heard correctly. Sometimes that just means patience, seeing how the thought or the idea develops. Sometimes it means bringing it up to a friend or somebody you trust spiritually and to say, I feel like God told me this. What do you think? That's part of prayer listening as God speaks. Now it says that when this happens, when we allow the Holy Spirit to intercede for us, it says, and he who searches hearts, that's God, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here's what that's saying. And when the Holy Spirit prays for us, it's in perfect alignment 
with the will of God. That when the Holy Spirit prays for us, it will always happen because it's in perfect alignment with God's will. Who would you rather be praying when you don't know how to pray? You just mumbling words or the Holy Spirit interceding on your behalf? Another passage of Scripture teaches us this about prayer, that through the power of our prayer, things are released that have already been released in heaven. They're now released on earth. Let me say that a different way. Maybe an example. Amazon is amazing. I can get on there. I can click a button. And when I click a button, it triggers a human being in some other part of the country or a robot, who knows, to grab a package, put that package into a box, put a label on that box, and send that box um, via some type of shipping company to my doorstep in like 14 minutes. Now that box will never be sent to me unless I click that button. The clicking of the button is what releases the box to be sent to me. The same is true of prayer. That you and I pray, and when we pray, it releases something that God has already released in heaven. There are blessings that are ready to be poured out on you, on friends, on family, that need to be released through prayer. There is the favor of God that can be released through prayer. Uh, There are uh, new jobs or new friendships or new wisdom and understanding that can be released through prayer. There is gospel advancement, kingdom growth that's ready to be released and can be released in prayer. You and I have the opportunity. This is the meaning, the deep meaning of prayer, that when we pray things that God has already said, I want to do on earth. One author says it this way. Prayer is the delivery mechanism of God's will. That you and I can actually pray into existence what God wants to do in heaven when we release it here on earth. That's a powerful prayer. So now we've looked at the meaning of prayer. How do we make it simple? Well, we got to get started somewhere. For me, what this has looked like is waking up in the morning. As I've said before, I'm a stopwatch guy. I start a watch and I begin to pray. And this is the process I go through. I start with thanking and acknowledging God, thanking him for access to his throne, reminding myself that I'm in essence, I am approaching the throne of God, the majestic, powerful God that loves me as a son, calls me his son. So I start with thanking. After that, I ask God to change me, to reveal in me what needs to be changed. I can't tell you how essential that this portion of my prayer life is to my overall spiritual health. This couple of minutes every day is what prompts me to say, I'm sorry to my wife or to repent of sin or to notice where I've gone astray. These are the moments where God lovingly, graciously realigns my heart and my focus. We all need these every day. After that, I make petition, oftentimes on behalf of other people, sometimes on behalf of myself. And just a tip 
on making petition before God? I try to be general, not specific. That might be against what you've heard in the past. But here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes we pray very specific prayers. And the worst thing that could happen for us is for them to be answered. The more general I am in my prayer, the more room I give for God to implement his will. Now, sometimes I have specific prayers, certainly, but I try to keep them general so as not to enforce my will on God. After I make petition, um, then oftentimes I'll pray for things like the advancement of God's kingdom, uh, the development of, uh, of the church, whatever it might be. But I want to see kingdom growth, and I want to pray for that. Then I read scripture, and I pray scripture. And so that's the process that I go through. It's simple. Thanks and acknowledge. Change and reveal. Make petition. Grow your kingdom. And then scripture. It's somewhat systematic, but systems aren't bad. I mean, even this year, Lindsay and I have decided that we have a meeting every morning. We actually call it a meeting. So the other day, we were laying in bed, and she goes, I got to get up, I have a meeting. And what she meant was, in 20 minutes, we were going to meet on the couch. And she was going to get up, and she makes the coffee, and uh, I get ready to leave for the day. And, um, and then at 7.50, every morning, Lindsay and I meet on our couch. We have coffee in hand, and I start a seven-minute watch timer. And I ask her, what are you doing today? And she asks me, what are you doing today? And we catch up on our day. And then we pray for each other before I leave. It is systematic. And it's been deeply meaningful and very helpful for our communication and our intimacy as a married couple. Is it systematic? Yes. Is it helpful? Yes. And it also starts us down a path of praying together and knowing each other better. Early on, your prayer life might need to be this systematic. And as you start it, you'll develop intimacy. And once you get started, who knows where it can go after that. But it's something worth starting. You have access because of Jesus to the decision maker. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in your prayers. Your prayers can release blessing, favor from God down to earth for yourself, for friends, for family, for the kingdom. And it will develop intimacy with your heavenly father. It's worth getting started and it'll help you keep in step with the Holy Spirit near to Jesus and us more unified as a church. I hope you'll start praying. I hope you enjoyed the message and that it's helpful for you in developing a vibrant prayer life. Today would be a great day for you to look into our online giving platform. Uh, at Redemption, we encourage everyone who's a regular attender to have a consistent giving pattern as God would lead. Take some time this morning and visit our website, experienceredemption.com. Click on the Give button and uh, you can set up an online giving pattern, which will help us to continue to take care of the needs within our church family and to reach people with the gospel. Thanks for being a part.